some kind of technology that looks through all of that and alerts you to where things are going wrong and says, hey, I suggest you go spend your time here. That's really, really important because it just takes away all of that kind of desk work that stops you spending time coaching colleagues and transmitting values into the organization. So I think that kind of prioritization and simplicity is really important. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. The Great Resignation. It's a phrase that has been shaking the business world and specifically retail. While a lot of the focus has been on store associates, the ones who have their boots on the ground and interacting with consumers day in and day out, Julian Mills of Corso believes that we're overlooking a very important group, store and district managers. So what do these folks need to do their jobs well? And how can technology support them to not just be more efficient, but be more effective and profitable for the business? Julian is the founder and CEO of Corso, and he has some very interesting takes on what these folks are facing day in and day out, the challenges and opportunities of technology, and what agile really means for them, and how it can help them meet their goals in a more pointed way. Listen in and find out what he has to say about this incredibly important topic. Julian, thanks so much for being on the show. It is great to meet you. Alicia, it's a pleasure. Great to be here. Thank you. So you're the founder and CEO of Corso. To kick things off, why don't you tell us a little bit about the company and most importantly, what inspired you to start it? Sure. Corso is a tool that prioritizes the daily work of store managers and district managers. And it's used by about 20,000 folk at the moment. What it does specifically is suggest where, for example, a district manager should go each week, so which stores it should visit and which days. It suggests what a store manager should focus on as they walk around the store. It suggests which of your team you should spend time with coaching, etc. It does all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's in a nutshell. And essentially to do it, it translates all of the data and tasks that stores currently get into personalized next best actions for each person, yeah? So that's very much what the tool does. Why did I found it? Uh, it's a great question, everyone wants to know that. So I founded it about six years ago, really because I was the interim COO for the turnaround of a very large retailer. And I had a team of about 30 people at the center of the organization who are analyzing data all the time and finding lots of interesting things. And I could actually see what I wanted every store to be kind of focused on, but actually there was no way of getting them to do it. So I might want Phoenix to focus on kind of reducing shrink of fresh produce and Ipswich to focus on staff scheduling. But there was no way to communicate that to people. And I had no way of actually tracking if they did it. And I had no way of actually measuring the impact of anything that they did do locally. Yeah. So that's really the problem that Corso is trying to solve. Very interesting. I, I like that you kind of had that real life experience as an interim CEO in the retail world, because I feel like those real life experiences and pain points really paints a very valuable path, I think, for new solutions and innovations. And, and to the end, Corso has been named a technology game changer by the Retail 
World Retail Congress and a top disruptive technology globally by Retail Week. Very impressive. So I guess this may connect to your last response in a way. I mean, what is it about Corso's mission or even its capabilities that you think really resonates and makes such an impact with the retail community? Yeah, look, Alicia, I think it's who we're helping. So a lot of money in retail at the moment has gone into glamorous flying drones and supply chain and e-com and stuff like that, which is all very cool and makes us feel warm. But you know, the truth of it is that 90% of transactions still touch a store at some point. And most of the headcount in retailers are still in stores. And I think that those people are having a really tough time. They're being asked to do more and more as the world goes omnichannel. So they're doing about 30 to 40% more than they did a couple of years ago. And they're not feeling hugely supported or appreciated. And so as a result, something like one in five roles in uh, store manager and district manager roles are vacant at the moment. And I think, you know, what we're doing, in a sense, there's nothing particularly clever about it. What we're doing is really shining a spotlight on that problem. And we're helping store managers and district managers get by. We're helping them actually get through their week and get home to see their kids in the evening. And people using the app are immensely kind of vocal about that. And that's lovely. People are saying stuff like, I'm no longer sitting in the parking lot, shuffling papers, panicking, thinking, what on earth am I going to talk about? Or, you know what? I did this last week. I put some snow shovels on the sidewalk and my sales went up 3x. And I'm feeling great about that. So I think it's things like that, really helping people who are under stress at the moment, that I think is is really resonating. Absolutely. That point about the fact that people at the store level are doing 30 to 40% more than in the past, that's that's staggering. And I think it really reflects, I think, a lot of the trends that we have been covering, a lot of the issues that are rising to the top at the store level, because obviously that's a big discussion point for us. And it's easy to get lost in the tech side of things, like you were saying, the drones, the glitzy digital technology. And those are things that I think people at the store level need to consider, like how do new digital commerce behaviors influence the store experience and store service? I could imagine it's a tricky balance, right? Like there are the people that you need to support at the store level, the associates, the managers, the district managers, but then there's also like, how do we convey this in immersive experience that gets consumers into the store and and buying? I mean, it's very complex the more the more layers you peel back, right? So I want to ask you, I mean, where do you think the art and science of store experience is heading in 2022 or even beyond? Because like I said, there are so many things to consider, so many things to possibly customize based on the brand and the category, right? So I mean, where do you think this is going? It's a great question. And Alicia, I'd love to hear from you guys on this because I'm, I'm sure you have lots of conversations on this topic too. For us, I think... You can already see some aspects of the future now. You know, the future is much more omnichannel stores where stores are doing store picking and returns and BOPIS and all the rest of it, you know, five or six, seven different channels within a single store. And so for us, the near-term future at least is actually doing that really competently, yeah? Just making sure your operations don't fall over and making sure that staff know what they should be focused on and making sure that customers come in and have a good experience. You know, they've ordered some drill bits online, they come in, they're there, they can pick them up. And there's a lot of work, I think, just to do to get to a really competent level. I think what happens after that, I'm less clear about. But I think, you know, that kind of basic, let's just run decent omnichannel stores will keep us all busy for the next 10 years. 
But what are you hearing in the area? No, I, I think that is definitely the top of mind thing for us right now. Like, even though we're covering our fair share of new tech and the brands that are opening content studios and live stream areas of their stores, the core of, I think, store priorities right now is, I like that use of the word competent, right? It's ensuring that that fulfillment experience is as seamless for everyone. I think that's the one thing that we can't lose sight of. Like it has to be easy and convenient and great for the customer, but it has to have the same reflection on the associate, right? Because they are doing more, they are juggling more. So what are you doing for them to make it as easy as possible? And I think the very fascinating part that I'm trying to dig a little bit deeper into is this isn't just store ops, right? It isn't just tech, it's design even. Like with our design retail side of the publication, like we're hearing more and more that the tech and ops folks need to speak with whoever's driving store design and even merchandising to ensure that all of these pieces come together efficiently and effectively and and ensure that that entire flow of the store makes sense for the customer. Because I've had experiences where I want to get in and out of a store as quickly as possible, but the pickup area, like there's no signage, there's no flow, and I I don't know where I'm going. So I think that's really rising in priority for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point, isn't it? I mean, there clearly are retailers, you know, Best Buy and folk like that who are actually redesigning their stores to increase the amount of kind of dark space if that made sense, so they can deliver a better kind of BOPIS and, and store picking experience. So I, I think there's a lot of that going on. But it all comes back to this kind of basic, consumers have high experiences of what they're going to be able to do when they come into a store. Can the retailer actually deliver on that? Yeah. And I think that ties to the point around so flexibility and the agility of the store. I know we have a deeper question later around agility and what it all means, but I think, again, from a store and experience perspective, it's okay how do we have this, I guess, rolling scale, so to speak, based on what the customer may want on a particular day? Do they want to come in and out as quickly as possible? Do they want a deeper level of service? Do they want checkout? It's interesting to hear like how retailers are considering all of these factors to develop a more robust store experience strategy and like what tech they're implementing to support that. So I guess my follow-up question for you is, I mean, what are you hearing? Because <laughs> I'm sure you speak to your fair share of retail executives, partners, customers, prospects. I mean, what's kind of keeping them up at night right now from a workforce perspective, a store experience perspective? I'm curious what you're hearing. Yeah, look, I think there's a very sharp divide between retailers who are just in pain and hoping the pain goes away and retailers who are thinking really, really thoughtfully about what their stores are going to look like in 10 years' time, yeah? And, you know, for for what it's worth, we tend very much to kind of work with the latter. I mean, about 70% of all the customers we work with are number one or number two in their market. And I think what those guys in particular are thinking about is, from a people perspective, is really... How do I motivate my team? How do I stop them kind of getting disengaged and moving on? How do I really simplify their day-to-day daily work? People are very aware they're sending lots and lots of information to these guys. Most retailers are spending sending something like 20 to 30 different reports a week to a store. How do I scrap that? How do I get people out of the back room? How do I get people to stop spending five hours a week on actually kind of understanding information that's being sent by the center to them? And how do I get them out there with customers, with their teams, 
doing simple things each day which are going to improve the performance of that store. Yeah. So I think it's about simplicity. I think it's about speed. And I think it's about engaging the teams. They actually do it. That's great. Some really, really powerful points there. And I mean, I think it ties into this much bigger, I guess, topic around some of the workforce struggles that a lot of retailers have been facing, the great resignation and how that's hitting at the retail level, QSR. It's been very closely watched by our team and, of course, very widely covered by the media at large. And it's interesting, right, because I think it's led to a lot of very productive, deeper conversations around associate and worker issues like training and empowerment, which we've always covered, but employee benefits, well-being, and and I guess a more detailed picture of what we as workers, we as humans really need to feel supported by our employers. And of course, at the end of the day, the definition of an employee kind of goes beyond the store and into the manager level. So I mean, where do you think these key issues lie today? What do retailers need to be aware of as they get into 2022? Well, let me just rewind something you said a moment ago. I mean, just to put some numbers around how bad the great resignation is in retail. I think you, I'm sure like me, have seen numbers of about 60% for staff turnover. That was a year ago, yeah? Published by NRF. I think it's higher than that now. And I think if you look at frontline workers, so store associates is perhaps 79, 80, 81% if you look at the latest BLS numbers. But I think what's really going unreported is what's happening at the store manager and the district manager level. So if you think about these are people who have maybe taken, you know, 5, 10, 15 years to get there. There's a lot of kind of tacit knowledge and experience in these folk. And currently, if you do some simple math and you scan the job boards and you look at all that kind of stuff, you'll see that about one in five of those roles is vacant at the moment, as I said at the top. So if you think about the kind of loss of experience and knowledge for large retailers in those kind of mid-level roles is catastrophic. It's absolutely catastrophic, yeah? And I think that one of the reasons why we're seeing a lot of interest in things like Corso is because essentially Corso is helping get district managers and store managers up the curve much faster, yeah? Does Corso outperform the world's best 15-year experienced store manager? Not sure probably doing pretty well, but can we help someone who's three months in role be vastly more effective? Yeah, we really, really can. And so I think that there is that need to kind of use technology to upskill people really quickly. So I think that's one part of it. And we should talk separately about all the kind of motivational aspects of this in a moment. But Yeah, I do want to dig deeper into that because now that you say it, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Everybody's talking about the people who are doing the work at the store level, who are juggling these much larger task lists, interacting with customers. But there are folks like that level or two up that are that connecting point between the people at the store level and the people at headquarters, some of whom may have a bit more context and experience with the brands. Because like I know when I think of an ideal scenario of progression in an organization, it's someone who starts at the ground possibly and slowly works their way up and over time acquires so much more passion and connection to the brand. And that way, that's part of what makes them so good at their job, right? Like they understand the brand at a much deeper level. So you're saying, and I guess of course at a larger level, are kind of saying that 
you know, everybody's talking about the associate. And while they are very important, it's that next level or two up that need even more support and attention because they're helping bring the larger strategies to life and ensuring that they're being implemented. Am I getting that right? I think it's even more fundamental than that. So if you think about that kind of layer in the organization, the store manager in larger stores, the district manager, their job is basically to firefight. They sit on top of an impossibly large amount of business, thousands and thousands of products, probably tens of millions of sales, tens to hundreds of colleagues. In the case of a district manager, 10 to 20 stores, they cover 30,000 miles a year. They're just covering a huge swathe of, of activity. And it's really hard for them to know what to focus their time on. It's really hard to know how to prioritize their time. Yeah. And I think that there's nothing really there to help them. So when you go and speak to these people and say, you know, what does your week look like? You'll hear them say, well, look, you know, I sit there on a Sunday thinking, help, where do I go this week? I spend four hours of my weekend planning out my calendar for this week. And by the way, by the end of Monday, it's, it's out of date because another 10 fires have sprung up. Yeah. So you hear stuff like that, or you hear people talking about, you know, being in the parking lot, shuffling papers, knowing that in five minutes they've got to walk into the store and appear omniscient and really kind of on top of things to a store manager. But how do they know what to look for? Yeah. So they're walking around trusting on their trusting their gut to try and point some things out as they walk around. But actually they could be looking at completely the wrong things. And so I think that they're being asked to do something that's virtually impossible. And I think technology like ours is trying to help them actually make make that job feasible. Does that make sense, Alicia? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that image of the planning that goes into all of this and knowing that by the end of day on Monday, it may be completely irrelevant and you have to start over again or revisit you know, what that week is going to look like and what you need to address and what your strategy is. I mean, that's a very a very pointed picture. And I could imagine a lot of people are struggling with that. So, I mean, let's get into the brass tacks the gr- at a granular level. I mean, what is really needed? Like, what do these store and district managers need to do their jobs successfully? Because like you said, the breadth and the depth of their responsibilities, the number of products, the number of stores, ever-changing priorities. I mean, what do you think in an ideal world they should have access to from a tools, insights, and capabilities standpoint? Well, obviously, Alicia Corso, you know, we're still all Obviously. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, I, I think one of the core things here is prioritization. There's just too much information for anyone to make sense of. So if you think that a typical store, as I said earlier, most of the retailers we work with send about 20 types of report to each store each week. And then each store is probably doing, you know, 100 plus tasks. So if you've got 15 stores to watch over, there's just a huge amount of information. And you could spend your entire week sifting through that, trying to work out where something's going wrong. Yeah. Remember, remember your job as a district manager or a large store manager is to firefight. Yeah. And so some kind of technology that looks through all of that and alerts you to where things are going wrong and says, hey, I suggest you go spend your time here. That's really, really important because it just takes away all of that kind of desk work that stops you spending time coaching colleagues and transmitting values into the organization. So I think that kind of prioritization and simplicity is really important. And then I think the second thing is, I'm always amazed that store teams and and district leaders so cheerfully go about their job doing stuff without actually knowing if it works, yeah? If I'm gonna invest a lot of my time doing something, I like to know that it's paying off and it works. And so I think you need to show them something which is like, you know what, you made that change and it really worked. 
because you successfully saved 4,000 bucks worth of cost, or you successfully increased sales of that particular product by 800 bucks that week, or you, you improve customer satisfaction by three points, etc. Yeah. If we can show people how they're making a difference, I think it's much more engaging for people. I would like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you think about it, Lisa, we have it as consumers. Right. We have these kind of fitness apps and these sleep apps and all those kind of things. They tell us how we're doing. We get instant feedback. It's just these poor millions and millions of store colleagues go to work and no one tells them how they're doing. Right. There's no clear connecting point to, I can imagine, like when store managers have that, they're more likely, I would hope, to communicate to associates, this is making an impact, right? Like it's not the expansion of task lists and priorities. I mean, it's not all for naught, right? Like it's making an impact on the business. I think that's how you get people hopefully <laughs> excited about everything that the store is doing. Yeah, but I think there's an important difference there. A lot of tasks are just kind of rote compliance. Go do this because we think you should do this. And actually, sometimes, you know, that's important, but it's sometimes difficult to get excited about that. You know, I think what you can show people is there's an opportunity for you to sell more cat food here, for example. And people get excited about that kind of challenge and that kind of instant feedback. And you can turn being in a store really into a type of game. Yeah. Or you can gamify the experience and make it kind of fun and competitive and rewarding on top of doing all that kind of important day-to-day stuff. Right. And in a way, kind of elevating like in those discussions, like, okay, like you're not just following the day-to-day task list, like you're making this much bigger impact and that is exciting. And like, here are so many other possibilities and ways that we can do that, which I think kind of allows people to look at their jobs through a different lens other than like, okay, today's Tuesday, like I have to do X, Y, Z. And at this time I have to do X, Y, Z. Like it's, it's through a different context, I think. And I think that's sort of what's needed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly right. No, that's excellent. And I think it kind of ties to, I want to dig a little bit deeper because you brought up a few key phrases or, or words that really resonated, like as far as what's needed, it's prioritization and insight into impact. And I think that's so difficult or tricky because as we've noted throughout our conversation, priorities constantly change. It could be one day or even a couple of hours. Priorities could be very different. You know, you may need to shift. That's why we're hearing about agility so much more, right? Especially over the past year. Yeah, so that's a really important point. And that was the original insight with which I founded Corsa with Dan. And that was that, and you can see it, by the way, in our data. So 96% of all what we call missions, which are really your next best actions each day, 96% of missions are unique to your store. Yeah. So if you think about it, everyone is working on slightly different stuff. And that's important because, you know what, in a chain with a thousand stores, of course, there are going to be differences. You've got different demographics and um, different supply chain issues and so on. And I think it's that personalization that enables you to take a lot of work off people's plates. And it's what enables you to kind of go agile. Because by taking the work off people's plates, it means they can actually do the job properly they can focus on the few things that are really going to drive an improvement. And they can also see the impact of that because they're focusing on the right things rather than things we're already good at. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, what has prevented companies, I mean, stores specifically, from reaching the level of agility that's required to be successful at the store level? Again, just given all the things that 
people have to juggle, you know, the expansion of duties across the board. I mean, are there any key inhibitors or challenges that maybe people in these particular roles are listening to this conversation and (laughs) maybe are saying like, oh, like I do want to be agile, but I I have to deal with X, Y, Z. I mean, what are you seeing in the marketplaces in the way of challenges or obstacles? Yeah, look, I think the biggest issue is a kind of cultural one, which is that traditionally retail has functioned kind of like the military. It's functioned like the infantry. The general, i.e. store ops, sends out instructions, go do these things, and you want, you know, a thousand people marching, doing the same thing and moving in perfect coordination. I think what I'm saying is that lifts you to a certain level, but in a world where every store has slightly different problems, that's not helpful. So what we're really trying to do is keep the kind of joined up standardization so that a retail network doesn't become a collection of village shops. But you actually do want people to be working on slightly different things, all consistent with your overall aims, because they've all got different problems. So effectively, you need to move from being the kind of infantry to being more like special forces. Yeah. And that's a cultural shift that I think not every retailer is up for. Alicia, are you hearing this kind of stuff in your conversations with people or or less so? Yeah, no, I I definitely think culture, like looking at all of these issues, whether it's at the associate level or above, I mean, culture connects everything. So I guess my question is, and this is how I come into most of my conversations of like, okay, these are the challenges. Culture is an issue, but how do you set that course to meaningful change? Like, because I know just thinking about most companies, anything that involves challenging the status quo or rethinking things, it's like, whoa, 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 easy there. So, I mean, how do you navigate that? I mean, as someone who has helped create this solution to drive meaningful change, help people be more effective and make a meaningful impact on the business, but people are hesitant or averse to change for one reason or another. Because like when we talk about culture, like that's a big mountain to move. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, look, first of all, you have to change and you have to think seriously about culture or you're not going to exist as a company in 10 years' time. Yeah. I think the second thing is that actually this problem's already been solved for the large part in other industries. So if you or in some other industries. So if you think about something like manufacturing, there's a concept, Hoshin Canary, which which is very useful here, which is, in a sense, you set the kind of overall objectives um, and everyone aligns around those. So culturally, everyone is, is you know, aligned around those objectives. But that actually the implementation of those objectives may require different things from different people, okay? And that's really what I'm talking about here, which is let's agree on the stuff we want to drive. We want to drive sales and we want to manage down sorry, improve schedule adherence, you want to manage down shrink, etc. You can set those as objectives or even talk about, you know, particular promotions you want to run, etc. But actually, the way that you deliver those objectives may be slightly different in each store. Yep. Okay. That's where the customization of those next best actions come in. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Definitely makes sense. And Julian, I feel like we can speak hours about this because there are so many layers to this conversation, right? So appreciate you answering my questions transparently and and having a dialogue around this, because I do think it's going to be such a big priority, not just this year, but moving forward in general. So thank you. I always try to close out these conversations with some hard hitting takeaways or tactical takeaways that either get our audience thinking a little bit or, you know, inspire them to take some sort of action or, or movement. So, I mean, at a broad level, what else 
is required for managers and associates to best support customers, right? Because like that's kind of the end goal, right? It's always to serve the customer, be more productive, be more profitable as a business. And do you have any recommendations for our folks listening right now that want to make moves, but maybe don't know how or don't know where to start? Yeah, look, I think a lot of retailers that I speak to are stuck in the mindset of kind of huge monolithic kind of initiatives. We're going to do this and it's going to take 40 people to work on it. It's going to take six months and therefore we can't do anything else. And you know what? I would say to those people, good luck, because they're just not changing fast enough. They're just not changing fast enough and they're going to struggle to survive. And I think, you know, what what I say to people is, Look for things that you can experiment and test very quickly with minimal effort, okay? And if they work, put more effort behind them, okay? It's, in some ways, it's kind of like a startup mentality. And I think big retailers are terrible at that because they're used to thinking about these kind of huge bets. And by the way, no one ever goes back and audits whether those bets actually work, yeah? So one of the things that we spend a lot of time on in Corso is making it really, really simple to kind of try, try this. So, you know, typically we can have a 10,000 store, well, a thousand store retailer up and running within about a week. Okay. And by the way, minimal effort to deploy and you can run it for a couple of months and as you like it, then, then scale up from there. So it's very easy to kind of get started with this kind of thing. And by the way, it's going to get even easier. And I think that whether it's Corso or not, retailers should be looking for these really easy things that can change their operations and change their performance quickly rather than kind of immediately jumping into the kind of next monolithic activity that's going to tie up all the resource for the next two years. This is great, Julian. This has been such a great conversation. Again, really appreciate the time. Um, if people want to learn more about Corso and the work that you're doing, where, where can they find out more information? Great. Well, Alicia, thank you. Yeah, our website, corso.com, Q-U-O-R-S-O.com, has a lot of great content on it. Please also, you know, if you're interested, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always very responsive there. And yeah, look forward to hearing from you. But Alicia, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, likewise. Really appreciate the time, Julian. And to all of you listening, we hope this, again, inspired some new thought, new ideas, or even some new conversations with your colleagues. We'd love to keep the conversation going, as Julian said, on social media, either on Twitter at our touchpoints or on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints, or you can also find me as well. Again, we'd love to keep the dialogue going and keep uncovering some new ideas for the industry at large. Those links that Julian referred to, we'll include them in the show notes so folks can get some more information and dig a little bit deeper into this new idea or evolved idea of agility at the store level. We definitely are going to keep a close eye on it as well. And of course, if you liked what you heard, subscribe to the pod. If you haven't already, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anywhere else you listen to podcasts, we're likely there. If you like what you heard, we also encourage you to rate the show and leave a comment. It helps other folks like you discover the show and dig deeper into these great conversations that we're having with folks driving this exciting new era of retail. Thanks again, Julian, and thanks to all of you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.